Hey everyone, this is Josh Peak, uh, the host of the Josh Peak Show. Uh, you can find me on uh, social media: Instagram at Josh Peak, uh, Twitter at Josh Peak, and then of course Facebook. You can just type in Josh Peak. So on my show, I interview entrepreneurs, uh, successful business folks, um, producers. Uh, you know, on, uh, sometimes even politicians, people that are winners, people that have succeeded in their um, in their line of work. And so today I had Joe Betterman, Greco-Roman wrestler, been on a world team and an Olympic team on the senior level. Uh, this is probably one of my better interviews. It was so, it was great. Uh, I got to find out a little bit more on how his brain works and why they're so successful. And uh, my son Rhett's probably going to do some training with him as well. So you're really going to enjoy this show. Before I get started, uh, I've talked a lot here lately about, you know, we're in interesting times economically. If you don't own an online business uh, or a home business business of some sorts, you, you probably should. Uh, I would I would be really strongly, uh, I, I recommend starting a second income stream. If you are looking for a leader or someone to partner up with and mentor and show you how to be successful, I want you to get in touch with me. You can DM me at Instagram. You can DM me, you know, private message me at Facebook, or you can email me at joshpeakmobile at gmail.com. And I've got some opportunities for a, a select group of people that are looking to do something special, uh, wanting to start uh, maybe another career or for sure an online business. Uh, just reach out to me. So with that being said, I, I want you to really uh, listen if, you're, if your kids are wrestling or if they're not um, if they're just in sports, the mentality that you're going to, you know, you're going to hear, um, when I interview Joe Betterman, the, his school of thought, you're really going to enjoy it. It's great for parents and it's great for really anybody. So, uh, enjoy this interview. Again, I'm Josh Peak. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Josh Peak. Welcome to the Josh Peak Show, where I'm your host. We interview entrepreneurs and top producers, and I'm doing a special thing now where we're doing a, a Wednesday a Wrestling Wednesday Day, where we bring in uh, wrestlers that have performed at a high level, and we interview them as well. And so, uh, on this podcast with me right now is Joe Betterman. Uh, Joe, it's good to have you on. Oh, it's great to be on. I appreciate you guys having us. It's uh it's exciting. Uh, I mean, we're getting back to wrestling, so I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this. Well, yeah, I am too, and you and I have been talking for a while. I mean, there's some possibilities. I mean, Rhett getting some training with you, and so I'm excited about that. You get, you're doing some great things in Colorado Springs up there. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know what you're doing, and then we'll go from the very beginning a little bit. Uh, right now, we have a, so I have a wrestling academy, Betterman Better Elite Wrestling Academy here in Colorado Springs. Um, we have it where the kids, they, uh, we partnered with District 49. They go to school two days a week, and the other three is online. Um, so they train full-time eight times a week. Right now, they're only in school one day a week because of the COVID stuff. But uh, So they're training nine times a week. But um, we got kids from all over. I got uh, you know four kids from Washington, you know, a kid from Maine, a kid from Illinois. Um, I got two from Georgia that live with me. Um, so we have a resident program as well, and then we have all our local kids that are part of the program too. Sweet. So do you, you guys train a lot? I mean, there's a lot to do there in Colorado Springs too. Do you guys um, get out to the mountains and and, uh, and and do some things there as well and just to kind of get away from it all? 
Yeah, we hit like the we hit the incline or um we'll go out and play soccer or just do some stuff. Yesterday they went the kids went ran and uh they left my gym, ran to Memorial Park Lake, which is by the Olympic Training Center. Did a lap around the lake, came back, it's about four mile run, and then uh we played some basketball after a little bit of agility exercises. Sweet. Sweet. Well, let's let's uh, kind of go back to where it started. <clears throat> you know, we tried to do this podcast yesterday, and my computer was updating, so we had to kind of redo this. But so you got started. What what I was saying yesterday is you got started. Um, you know, fairly late. You see a lot of parents who put their kids in there at four or five, six years old, and they want their kids to be uh, the best in the world at age eight. You know, they win the Tulsa Nationals, and then that's the height. And you see kids maybe start to decline or burn at that point. But I've seen a lot of people start later and then, and, and they have a lot of success. I mean, I was, I was thinking about the other day, you know, there's novice and schoolboy, but then UWW, you, you got what, two or three years cadet, three years junior, U23, and then senior, you've got almost eight, nine years before you even get to the senior level. And that's if you're a novice, you know, you're at novice or something. I mean, so there's a long road ahead of, you know, at, at 10, 12 years old, and you've had a, a lot of success. There's a, there's a bigger, a longer road even after that. And so you got started when you were in, like, a freshman in high school, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I started in high school. Um, <clears throat> I played football my freshman year, and the coaches got – I was only 70 pounds, and they got me to come out for wrestling. You know, I wrestled 103 pounds. I got my butt whooped. I didn't win a match until, until the end of the season. Um, and then I wrestled uh, Fargo because I was the 83 and a half pounder for Team Illinois, and there was nobody there. So my first year, so I got to go to Fargo, and you know, my career went real by really fast. I never won a state title for high school. Freestyle Greco I did, but not folk style. I took six my senior year, and then um, uh, my junior year I placed at Fargo though, and I had a lot of looks. But then um, Northern Michigan, Yvonne Ivanov started looking at me in my senior year. Um, and I had lost in the blood rounds um, at Fargo that year, and he uh, he picked me up on a full scholarship, and the rest was kind of history. I got to college, thought I was in, I was hot stuff, you know, because I had a full ride, and and then I got humbled real quick. I didn't score a point for six months, so I asked Yvonne to stay an hour every day after school or after practice with me, and uh, you know uh, that that changed the game. I became the junior world team member that year. I won the nationals. I tech told everybody, and then I. You know, I took second at universities, and you just like you said, it's kind of stages. So, you know, did really well at juniors, took second at universities. The following year, I won universities, um, and then I was in the Olympic trials, and I took fifth. Uh, Polson took, you know, Polson took second, and Dennis won it, and I lost to Dennis in the quarterfinals. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride. So and 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 so then in two thousand what no, in oh seven you won you won the world trials right and then eight you won the Olympic trials am I right on that timeline so so yes oh uh, seven was actually took second but Joe Warren had some a few issues you know and uh, so I was representative that year on the on the world team for the oh seven world team oh eight I won the trials um, and then in two thousand and eleven I won the trials again. Um, nine, I just had a bad trials. Ten, I blew my ACL out in Russia in the finals in Padugmi. And then, uh, you know, little, you know, it goes by really quick, your career. I feel like at the senior level, when you look back at it, you know, I was in a, I was a four-time senior national champ. I was an eight-time finalist, which is cool. But uh, never got the job done where I, where I wanted to get it done and win that world medal. I'd beat those guys all year, world and Olympic champs. But then I would 
you know, just didn't show up when it was time to show up. So now I'm trying to get these kids to show up that I'm coaching when it's time to show up, you know, so and pass on my knowledge. Well, I think that really helps, though. I mean, when you haven't got, you know, you haven't achieved what you wanted to, but then you understand as you get older, you get the wisdom of that and you can pass it on to kids. And I think that's a very valuable asset because, you know, I think sometimes failure, it gives you an insight maybe that sometimes having success doesn't, you know. Um, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, you and I have had conversations about this. You know, we've been battling back and forth with Rhett. He, he loves freestyle and Greco as his main styles. That's what he wants to do. Um, if you, if you're, Are we starting to see more kids? Uh, are we starting to see the avenue where they're starting to specialize at an earlier age and say, you know, <clears throat> maybe, maybe high school wrestling and folk style is not what's going to get me to where I want to be when it comes to Greco and freestyle? Because, I mean, we have somebody, I won't say who they are, but in Oklahoma that said we're never going to be able to win that many Greco world and Olympic titles because the Russians and these guys start at such a young age. I think we can win it, but if we start maybe at an earlier age. Um, so I guess I guess there's two questions there, but the first question is, um, are we starting to see more kids specialize, go more of a freestyle and Greco route, and forego uh, folk style? Oh, for sure. Um I mean, there's there's a lot of great programs. My my program, obviously, being one of them around the whole country that do what we what I do. Um, Legends of Gold would be a second program, primarily a freestyle and Greco program. You know, uh, if you look at MWC out of Nebraska with Zach Dominguez, mm-hmm. primarily a freestyle and Greco program. Um, you know, starting to get these kids to buy in at the youth level to have Olympic dreams, and let's forego saying let's I want to be a state champ. Let's let's start talking about. I want to be an Olympic champ one day, you know. There, you know, there's we're still gonna have fun and do all the fun stuff, but let's set that goal now so that you know any, everything below falls in line. You know, you become an Olympic champ, you become a, I mean, a state champ, you become a national champ on the way of trying to become an Olympic champ. You know, um, I, because you're putting that work effort in to be an Olympic champ, um, and just getting the kids to buy into it. And if you look at the countries like you said, like Russia. For example, they start at a very young age, and I think it's foolish to say that we'll never um, be able to win Greco medals like that, like Russia. I did too. All we have to do is, yeah, all we have to do is change the culture, right? You know, if we can change the culture and get our kids to buy into it, which if you look at Andy Bezik in Northern Michigan, he's got 40, 50 kids in the room that just are doing Greco um, at the college level, you know? At the seat, you know, trying to aspire right out of high school is doing the Greco route. Same thing I did when I, you know, I went to Northern Michigan. Um, but, uh, you know, there's tons of kids out there that that's what they want to, that's what they aspire to be. And I have, I have eight kids that live with me and they're like, Hey, I want to be an Olympic champion. Let's go teach me what I need to learn, you know, but, uh, no, I, yeah, that's that's a, that's a foolish statement, but I mean, the, the, whoever it is, they have their own views on it and that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'm a little optimistic, and I would like to, uh, uh, you know, press those boundaries. So what let's it, let's give give the kids our op- the opportunity to uh, to prove that person wrong. I agree. You know, I agree. So what does it look like? I guess this is another question. Then what does it look like for? And I'm glad I'm having this interview because I'm actually going through the situation right now. What is? I mean, 
so I guess the question is, is do you forego folks, do you forego folk style completely and just say, we're going freestyle and Greco. And then if we do that, I, I know what, a, I know what a bunch of parents are asking. Well, if you go freestyle Greco, how are they going to get a college education then? They're not going to get to wrestle at a D1. Um, and I actually had a good friend of mine that's that's a coach that said, look, if you're not going to get a full ride, then what's the sense of even doing it anyway? Because the, co- because the cost of college these days doesn't really make sense in terms of what you can go out in the world and make, and make money at. So why wouldn't you then go freestyle in Greco? Well, there's only 9.9 scholarships. So it is an interesting conversation. You know, of do you just forego folk style and go freestyle and Greco? And then if you do that, then how do you get a college education? There's a gray area there, obviously. And uh, do I say you 100% forego folk style? Uh, it's hard because you got to get mat time. And in our country, you know, it's it's all folk style tournaments. There's no freestyle and Greco tournaments year round unless we start creating that culture. If we have freestyle and Greco tournaments for the kids to hit year round, great. Um, like the kids that have bought into my program and that are doing freestyle and Greco year round, they still do some folk style tournaments. So really we're front loading our training to get ready for the second half of the year. You know, we're, we're training for freestyle and Greco season, you know, it used to be, and, um, you could correct me if I was wrong. Like a coach would tell you or myself, like, Hey, you need to do freestyle and Greco season so you can get better for folk style. Yep. You know, so you can win a state title. Right. And so that's what I did. And then all of a sudden, even for myself in high school, it transitioned where I was doing folk style so I can get better for freestyle and Greco, you know, for Fargo, because I saw the bigger picture. Um, you know, scholarship stuff, you know, that's great. You no, know, but like you said, scholarships are hard to come by with only 9.9 scholarships. Um, and it, we don't have for Greco on the Greco side, we don't have like a Northern Michigan like we had when I was there, where we all have full rides. And there was like 23 of them when we used to have the Congressman Bart Supak scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, the, la- the last uh, party, they took that out, you know, that was in, uh, in office and, uh, which is fine. You know, that's what, what needed to be done, I guess. But, uh, um, you know, so the scholarship part's out, but I've seen tons of athletes pay for their own school, you know, and, and still do great things. Andy Bizek, the head coach there right now, he came there as a walk-on. He was seventh at Fargo his senior year, walked on to the Northern Michigan team, and uh, a year later he got a you know, full ride from Yvonne. Yvonne saw his work ethic. Um, and then a number of years later is when he finally placed at Nationals, and then he just kept staying the course, and then he's a two-time world bronze medalist, you know. Yeah, he's, a, he's actually, you know, so, I mean, he bought into himself. He had to pay his own way for some of it. And, you know, he had to put trips on his credit card. I don't believe, you know, don't do that to a certain extent. Right. You know, don't keep chasing if it's not there. But uh, but you got to buy in yourself. And if he means if you want to go to school and get an education at the same time as competing or training Greco, then you go to northern Michigan. and You got to pay a little bit. Um, I just have an athlete that just graduated last year. Cole Smith. He joined the National Guard. Um, but he's the national guard pays for his tuition up at, at Northern Michigan. They'll pay hundred percent of his tuition. And then he got a little bit of a scholarship and he's good to go. You know, um, he's top 10 in the country and he's going to go to school, become an officer, do ROTC. who won't pay a dime for school. So there's other ways to do it. And then hopefully he'll be in WCAP in the WCAP program. So WCAP kind of explain that a little bit. I mean, I know, I know about it, but for the, for the listeners that, that don't, you have to, you have to, uh, be in the top is it three or four it's uh, three usually um 
Yeah, they don't have a development side, right? Um, so it's the top three. Yep. Uh, they're they're trying to put people on the Olympic team. Really, they're trying to win medals. Um, the wrestling team has done great over the years. I was part of that program. I've been fortunate enough to be a part of every program. So WCAP, the Olympic Training Center, Northern Michigan, and even my high school, I had an Olympic uh, Olympian coach uh, from Puerto Rico, Carmelo Flores. You know, so but with WCAP, you know, that was my last program that I was a part of. And, you know, it's a big family. Sean Lewis is an amazing coach. Um, you know, and uh, it helps the guys stability financially because when you you know we don't get paid a lot to wrestle. You know, the the most I made in a year was forty grand. And when I joined WCAP in 2012, because my wife was Deanna, Deanna Ricks at the time, she was pregnant, you know, and uh, we had a baby on the way. And if I wasn't placing that tournament tournaments, then I wasn't making money, you mm -hmm. know, and I always place, but you know, it, that, that's that scary thing, you know, like I think um, the stipend for the number one guy back then was a thousand dollars a month, you know, from USA wrestling, if you're number one in the country, you're the world team member. So it's only 12,000 a year, unless you're placing at all the tournaments and, um, traveling internationally and placing there. So, um, I joined WCAP helped me, you know, financially, but also helped me, you know, not have to worry about that piece and train even harder. Yeah. I think it's, I think the WCAP is a, uh, is an awesome opportunity and it's a, it's a great program. Um, what are the, speaking of money now, so if you on a world team or an Olympic team, if you place uh, uh, gold, silver, bronze, what is the payout now? I, I there is a payout, right? So, uh, you know, the world is, uh, they, they created this, um, uh, this fund called living the dream fund, which was awesome. And so it is, uh, you know, to help pay Olympic athletes, you know, cause there's a lot of time that's put in. And then once you hit that goal, you used to not make a lot of money for the Olympics. They used to give you 25 grand yep. to win Olympic gold back in the day. Um, now, and now it would not including sponsorships and stuff like that, but now um, it's 250000 for the Olympics mm. to win a gold. For the world, it's 50000 So there's a big jump there, but, uh, you know, they created this fund, and I don't know exactly how the fund looks like, if it's an endowment or something. Everyone just, you know, they got a whole bunch of donors, and I know they call yearly to get more people to donate because, you know, what if we had a, a team full of Olympic champions, oh, you know, yeah. in all styles, you know, they, it might bankrupt the fund, so um but no it's uh it, it's something to look forward to but one thing i would say is don't chase the money yep um you know don't do it for the money do it for you you know at one point in my career and i listened to john smith uh do this um do this interview um and i don't know where he was i think he was at a college and he was talking about in 88 and uh you know he 87 wins the world 88 wins the olympics and in 89 he loses to cuba i believe or he's in cuba and he loses and he's wondering what the deal was, why he lost, and um, and he goes back, and he had been making all this money and these finan you know, financial gains, and it made him comfortable, and so he took that and put that, you know, money away in a bank and said, I'm only going to put myself on this budget, you know, like so that I'm in like a poverty situation, to make me train even harder, and then he went on to win four more world and Olympic titles, you know, so, um, you know, so I wouldn't chase the money, I would, I would chase the the. I would chase the dream. I'd chase the glory, you know. I would chase the the uh, the grind because you know when you you start to get older, like I miss it every day, and I could probably still compete if I wanted to come back, but my body hurts, and only could I could only train once a day, and that would still make my body hurt. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 
Yeah, the money thing with the USA Wrestling is great if, the, if you know, you can reach those goals. But the number one guy, though, doesn't make a lot of money, so that part kind of stinks, you know, if you're the number one guy. So you don't have a lot of training training money, Yeah, you know, if you wanted to travel, unless you have great sponsors, like I was sponsored by Sunkiss, amazing sponsor. New York AC sponsored me in the beginning, was great, you know, and then obviously with WCAP at the end of my career. Yeah, um, and that makes me – and I do remember that video you're talking about with John um, – I mean, you almost have to put yourself in that situation. You got the Cubans, and you've got the Bulgarians, and these people—they don't have any money, so they're they're in a different situation than we are. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting the culture of of, of training and you know uh, what people are really chasing. Uh, you see these guys just break down after they've lost, and it, and they haven't just lost a match; they've lost a huge opportunity in these countries. You know, oh for uh, sure, because losing. financially they they. You know, they, they don't know if they can put food on the table or what are they? I mean, I've met guys that are world medalists that are taxi drivers overseas. Wow. You, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, but don't chase that part, you know, chase the, chase the journey on, on doing it. And, uh, you know, I believe that wrestling is like being a Spartan sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you got to go out there and if you lose, you lose, but you got to go out there and give your a hundred percent and, um, you know, there's some fun matches that I've watched, like Lopez, the heavyweight, was a really fun one. And um, I remember in Jimmy Byers in 2009, he pushes him out of bounds. And uh, Jamil pushes him out of bounds in the finals of the World Championships. Lopez is smiling as he walks back to the center. I was like, okay, let me show you what I can do. And then he, you know, he high-dived him or something, or he got a, a double unders, and he ended up pinning Byers. But it was awesome to see that transaction, like, Okay, Byers hits him with this big push out. We're all excited, and then this guy's smiling as he walks back to the center because he's a Spartan, you know. So I, you know, I believe it's like being a warrior, being a, being a wrestler. So I mean, it's pretty cool uh, if you do it that way. If you chase chase the dream that way. Well, speaking of that, it. speaking of that, we watched some of your videos, uh, Rhett and I did on YouTube, and and if you're listening, you got to go watch some of Joe Betterman's videos. Um, you're you you're a brawler. I mean, there's no. I mean, you you made it into a fight almost. You were. It was. I loved your your style, the way you wrestle. Um, so in saying that, what is your philosophy? Well, let's let's let me go this route first. What was some of your what was some of your favorite um, matches like that you look back on and it just comes to your mind? What were some of your favorite matches that you had? I have some really memorable matches, but I would say like one of my big memorable ones i was wrestling um there's a couple i got a funny one and then i got a one there where i was losing so then i came back so i was wrestling kazakhstan i think it's 2014 um either 2014 or 2013 i was wrestling kazakhstan and um i'm in the semifinals, and this guy is beating the crap out of me he's throwing me all you know he's a straight technician you know pretty much a russian right kazakhstan and this guy he's he thought he hits me with the nasty arm throw and then um, then he hits me with the lift, and I'm about to get tech fold. And I'm trying to figure out during the match, as it's happening, what's going on. And I switch, you know, I'm leading with my right and going heavy with my right because I have, like, that Iowa style almost. I'm mm-hmm. from Illinois, that Midwest style, where I try to break a guy and get him tired. And so I'm like, well, let me switch it up, and I'll start leading with my left. And then um, and then I broke this guy, and he just gassed out. And he ended up getting cautioned out of the match. He couldn't, he couldn't stand up, you know, I'm pushing him all over. I'm on his head. I'm breaking him down. And, and the, you know, my style is like a, 
is like I look like this. I'm a good technician. I I I, I joke with people on the side. I'm one of the better technicians, at least in Greco, in the country. And I'm a student of the game. But when I was wrestling Russians, the way I made my technique, like I was like this great technician, is because I gas them out. When I wrestled the foreigners, I would just gas them out first. And then I, that was my game plan. Then I would go to work on my technique and I look like, man, look, his technique's flawless or he's getting all these crazy moves and things like that. It's because guys are so tired. They couldn't even, you know, they just want to get off the mat. But um, so that was a real memorable one in Kazakhstan. And I ended up winning that tournament um, that Dave Schultz that year. I think that might have been my third or fourth title. And then uh, I have a memorable one that the guys all talk about. We were in, uh, in Hungary. And um, I think it was uh, the Kansi Semis. I ended up winning the bronze medal in the tournament, but against Armenia, where it might have been in the quarterfinals on the front side. And this Armenian uh, had a nasty reverse lift, and it was the old rules where if you didn't score, you were getting put down mm-hmm. one of the periods. And, and I had won the first period, and I think we're in the second period and no one's scoring. And I'm like, man, I do not want to go down. This guy's got a nasty reverse lift. It's going to be a battle. And so I look over at Co- uh, Sean, at Coach Lewis. I think this was 2013. I look over at Coach Lewis and I'm like, I'm going out of bounds. And he's like, what? He like, I can see his face. And I'm like, I'm going out of bounds. I'm walking out of bounds. And so I like start backing up to the bounds with the guys like not advancing. So I go out of bounds. I get cautioned. But the Kyrgyz gets one, and so I don't get put down. But then I break him on my feet using that same style that, you know, that brawler mentality. And I end up hitting, I think, an arm throw on him at later into that match because I broke him on my feet. That is so you know? smart, though, man. That I mean, when you, that's so, knowing your weaknesses and your strengths and knowing his strengths. That, that's brilliant. Well, well, it's hard. I mean, you know, and I, that's the one thing I try to teach my kids is being able to adapt during the match. Because you might wrestle someone for the first time, and you don't know what this guy has. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa this style is not going to work in this match. I have to be able to, I have to understand that and be able to adapt this and have been a student of the game and have different, different techniques and tactics and styles adapt during the match so that you could still get the outcome that you want, you know? Well, that, so, that, and those, the, those guys were good wrestlers and I think they both were world medalists later. And, um, but, uh, you know, so that was cool, but I beat Olympic champs. I beat Pereira three times in Cuban. Wow. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's cool too, but those ones are more memorable. Those matches. Who are some of your rivals in the, in the, on the, on the U S side? Like who did you have as you had, I mean, everybody's got the rivals. Once you get to that level, you're going to wrestle. Well, I guess lot. through my career, I mean, would been like a, a Lindsay Durlacher was a, a big rival. Um, in the beginning it was like Dennis and Paulson, but I only wrestled them once a piece. So, I mean, um, and that was in 04 and then they were retired and then it was, uh, Lindsay Durlacher for a little bit. And then I went up to 60 kilos Joe Warren, and then uh, once you know, once I kind of settled in in the weight class at sixty kilos, I kind of took over. And there was like Jeremiah Davis, who was a big rival, Glenn Garrison. Those were both WCAP guys when I wasn't WCAP yet. Um, Spencer Mango and I have had eleven matches. Wow, it's like it's like uh, eleven or twelve actually. Um, you know, which was which which was awesome. And then Ryan, you know, his brother beat me once. Ryan Mango. Um, he always talks about it. The other guys always give me a hard time. And my kids, when they, you look it up on YouTube, that's one of the first matches that come up. You look me up. And I actually enjoy that match the most because I learned a, a valuable lesson, you know, in that match, um, you know, of getting thrown and, you know, with 17 seconds left or me not pulling the trigger, you know, when I was winning. But, uh, you know, there's been some great rivals. Ellis Coleman was a great rival. You know, he's a good friend of mine now. He's actually moving in my neighborhood um, here in October. 
we just built a house there. So, but uh, yeah, definitely some uh, some good rivalry matches. Ellis was a big one because he he beat me in 2012 to make the Olympic team. Oh, when wow. I was the number one guy. So he cut down from 66. I had beat him in 09, I think 08, 09. Uh, when he first, like, you know, graduated high school, he went off to, up to college. And those were tough matches. I beat him twice. And then he went up to 66, won two world bronze medals at uh, juniors, right? And uh, when he came down to to, uh, um, to 60 kilos, it was a different Ellis, you know, a lot stronger, used to wrestling 66 kilo guys. And, you know, and there was some psychological stuff that was happening with the coaching. And so, you know, and I didn't get, get too far into that, but it was, a, you know, my mind wasn't there. And then, you know, this guy was a lot stronger than I wrestled the first time. So we had four matches in a row that year in 2012, that season. And he ended up beating me all four matches. And they were close matches, some of them. And, you know, but, uh, you know, some, one of them I got, I pinned myself. And I started complaining about a leg foul. And I've watched the video a hundred times and there was no leg foul. I was just reaching, you know, but uh, these are things you start to understand when you're older. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, that, you look that... back. That leads in when you're talking about your kids. Uh, that leads into my next question: What is, what is your philosophy like when you're with these guys? They're living with you. So, what is the uh, what's the relationship like uh, with these kids? You guys are in a house together. You're training together. Um, that's different than than say going to a school and them just you know they have a coach, but there's 40, 50 kids in the room. How do you you know they? It's really hard to build a relationship sometimes you got you got a a select few so what is the you know what is the environment like and what does a day look like for you guys uh you know the environment i mean it's uh it's really interesting we started before we even started academy i used to do the, we do the same camp still but uh an intensive camp in july where the kids come live with us and you know it's 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 cool to come because my wife is you know her credentials are super high you know she's fifth in the world twice and She's an eight-time national champion, same as me. We have the same amount of stop signs. Um, but, you know, when we when we bring people in our house, invite these kids in our house, they get to live with Olympic and world-caliber athletes um, and get to see, you know, that we're actually regular people, you know, but also get to see our mentalities. And, like, you know, our mentalities are crazy. You should hear the arguments in, between my wife and I just about wrestling, you know, like, like who would have won in high school. <laughs> and that happens at least once a week, you know, like, you know, and the kids are like, oh, and the way we talk with each other, but we still love each other, you know, we're, you know, because we're wrestlers, we're competitive and things like that. So it's a, the environment in our household, you know, is it's a, it's a crazy because we have, we have four of our own kids. It's pretty crazy because we have four of our own children and my oldest is seven and my youngest is one, you know? So, I mean, the kids get to, they, they help out with the kids. They're like our own kids. So we're, we're, you know, it's not buddy, buddy all the time. We're parenting these kids. They're not our children. So, you know, if Rhett came out to, to come train with me, I'm, I'm his, pretty much like his dad out here. I'm yep. making sure that he's doing the right thing. He's staying on his schoolwork, you know. Um, I'm still, you know, you know, cordial with him. And, you know, I, I'll be a, you know, the guy that he can talk to if he needs something or something's going on. Or, you know, if he's talking about girls. I don't really care. You know, I'm here for you, you know. You know, but I'm real world. I'm a real world coach and, like, trying to get kids ready for the real world. And, you know, not everything is peaches and cream out there and it's not sunshine. You got to grind through it and you got to, you got to kind of, if you want something, you got to, you got to work hard for it yeah. and battle for it, you know? And I just, that's, that's my philosophy for the kids. And with, with the wrestling philosophy, I guess I would say is, you know, you learn from your losses. We've had kids that are studs that are multiple times state champs come here. And that's the biggest thing I try to teach them. Like, Hey, 
you're not you know you're you're a big fish in a small pond i want you to be a shark in the ocean you know i want you to be a you know something that's going to take anything out but you got you know it's going to take time you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to accept that you're not the best anymore that you have to you know you got to go through these stages of life it's like going from junior to university to senior you know you know it doesn't just you know you're not just go from high school to seniors and you're the best yeah. it takes a little bit of time so well yeah um that's good and that's real good I, I i um i feel like we've gotten a lot out of this interview and and it was just questions i have but you know i know it's questions other parents have too because of this covid I'll tell you what, it's changed some things. It's it's definitely disrupted school, how it's always been taught, uh, the model. Um, there's now talk about school choice, and uh, I think parents are now looking at other models. Um, we always have. We've homeschooled, so we've always looked at that, like, where could we send him to get training if, if that's really what he wants? I mean, his mom, you know, Jesse, she's like, if, if that's his passion is freestyle and Greco, then why are we not doing that? You know, I mean, that's what he wants to do. The only reason he's doing folk style is because, you know, we have just training. I mean, in Oklahoma, we have a hotbed for training right now. We have some Fargo. We have some. We're deep. We're really deep in talent right now. So, so it's it's easy to get good training, um, whereas a lot of states don't have that. And so it makes it, you know, it makes it an interesting situation for us. But, but his but his passion is freestyle and Greco specifically Greco. Um, and so I think it is something we're really strongly looking at, and and uh, I think it, we live in interesting times right now. Um, what well, happens? For sure. I mean, what happens if college, say college football doesn't happen? You're looking at that funds a lot of things. What happens to wrestling? I mean, that's a real that's I mean, a real know, question. But, uh, there's 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 no saying, right? You know, and we don't know. I mean, there's all this behind the door stuff happening, and obviously with the election, and yep. there's a lot of craziness going on in the world today, and. Um, you know, like I told the kids that, that um, the one, especially the ones that live with me and the ones that don't live with me, when we first had COVID and we had to shut down a little bit because our state shut down. So we shut down. And but I didn't shut down like the kids that live with me. We rolled mats out every single day. Yep. And we're wrestling. And I said, listen, I don't care how long this takes. We're going to be the ready when 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 the uh, when the starting line, when it's when it's time to get to the starting line, when it's time to when it's time to, to shake hands and the whistle glows, we're ready. You know, no, nobody else is going to be able to train like we're training. And there's a few out there that were, you know, that are able to do it, but we're going to be ready to, to, to hit the mats hard, you know, and then and, and it happened. We went to Utah and I seen kids jump like their, their, their credentials. We have a kid from Maine. He's, he's a, his name's Aiden Riffs McKinley and he's a junior this year. And he was a state champion freshman year in Maine. He moved out here last year, did a whole year with us, was ready for Fargo this year. Doesn't get it. He went to Fargo with Maine last year and went one and two. And that's when he made the decision to move with us. Well, we went to Utah where there was a hundred Fargo All Americans in that bracket. Or in the in the in the tournaments for high school. Yeah. In the tournament. And um he took third in Greco and fourth in Freestyle. He was all upset with himself. And I was like, dude, you're beating all these Fargo All Americans and you're upset with yourself? You know, understand the process. Because we were still training and because we grinded all year, look where you're at today. And I said, you know, you may not be first, but little by little, it's going to happen. And I'd rather be first at the Olympic trials or at the senior nationals one day when I'm older or at the Olympics or the world than to be first at a, you know, at, at a youth tournament or a high school, you know, like preseason type tournament, summer tournament. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, I have a last question for you here real quick. It was it came from Instagram because I put it on uh, and asked if, if anybody had any questions for a, for an Olympic and world team member. And it is a, it's a question that said, how did, how did you stay motivated uh, throughout your, your time in wrestling? Like how, how does a, an elite athlete keep that or maintain that hunger and stay motivated? You know, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I answered a couple ways. Um, first of all, it's very hard to stay by yourself motivated. And you have to be self-motivated, and it's hard. That's why we created the program that I have. Is because you know kids are it's hard to get themselves motivated nowadays to do the stuff that you know they do they go and run on a treadmill and you're like you start sweating you're like you're done so you always need a coach but um but you know for me I almost quit this sport about three or four times I'm gonna be honest with you know people like you know there was times where like I trained my hardest and then I had the saddest day like I'd be overseas and I I remember being in Belarus and I got murked I think I went zero and five. In the in the in these duels that we went to the Greco team um, at the senior level, and I got destroyed. And okay, all right, I get destroyed. I'm like, we go to Sweden now. We're at we're doing some training before the Swedish tournament, and we're with the Swedish team. And there was a guy that I was beating the crap out of a month before in the United States, working him, and he destroyed me in practice. Like you know, one of those practice like, what just happened to me? And I'm like, I'm I don't understand. Why am I wasting my time? You know, and I'm talking to Momir. And he was like, he's like, you need to, you need to trust the process is what Mumbai told me. And he's like, you need to, you need to be at peace. Your mind is so clouded and you're so angry right now because of these results you just had. Be at peace. Well, then I win the Swedish tournament. <laughs> you know, I get my, I collect myself and I win it. And I almost quit at Northern Michigan the first year. There was a walk on. His name was Chris Sonneman from Florida, and um, everyone beat me in the room, but the walk ons and the, you know, the kid, the high school kids that came did it. And I always, I always beat the crap out of this kid. Well, he tech fold me, and I'm bleeding. My nose is bleeding. And I had a couple of friends, uh, Joe Ussolini out of um, – I don't know if you know who that is. He's out of uh, Troy, New York. He owns yeah. Kirby Training Center. Yep. And so Joe and uh, I think it was Matt Stangline and a couple of my friends came out, and I'm on the stairs crying. Like, you know, I've been getting destroyed by all the guys on scholarship for, for six months. And the only guys that I've been able to beat, one of them just tech fold me. You know, and I'm and destroyed me, and I'm bleeding. I think I got fived, and and um, my nose is bloody, and I'm all busted up. And uh, you know, they talked to me, you know, and it, it's not just it's an individual sport, but at the same time, it's a family. And that's the one thing I'll say that Greco is really close at the senior level, at the junior. Bill Greco guys become a family. Yeah. Opposed it, you know, if you look at like even at the NCAA's or in freestyle, you know, it's very self-driven. And people pull away from the pack. The pack is always with you, even if you're doing well. Because if you're doing well, then I'm doing well. You know, and I may become great, a great wrestler too. You know, you got to always build up that guy below you that, you know, may not be good. Like Spencer Mango, for example, was my training partner that Yvonne said, hey, Joe, pick anyone at Fargo this year, and I'll give him a full scholarship. You need a training partner. So I picked Spencer. And Yvonne went and sealed the deal, and Spencer came up to Northern Michigan. He was supposed to go D2 and wrestle in, um, in Missouri. And he came to Northern Michigan, and, you know, I was beating him a lot then. You know, he was still young. He was a kid. And but little by little, you know, we picking him up, picking him up. We're helping each other out. He made me a better wrestler by me helping him become a better wrestler. And then he became a great wrestler. He's an eight-time world and Olympic team member. Wow. You know, so he was in my wedding. Same thing with Andy, and you know, with the, the 07 um, – when Grumo was coming back, Andy called me up. They said, Hey, Jim's up here training. 
I was on break right after Worlds. I went back up. He Andy was running with me every day, getting my cardio up, making sure I was doing the right things. And and then I ended up beating Jim at Sunkiss at Tech Forum, you know. And then with then Jim beat me at the at the Open. But you know, that's part of wrestling the ups and downs. But uh, but no, I mean, you need you need people around you to help you stay motivated if you want to be a, a great a world and Olympic level athlete. Your your partner should be motivating you, you know. And you still have to have self-motivation, but, you know, surround yourself by people that are doing the same thing, you know, and that's why we started what we have here. We surrounded these kids by kids that want to chase the same trip. And, um, and it's motivating, you know, if one guy wins a run today and the other guy's down because he always wins them, now he's got to work even harder, you know. Do you see a big difference um, if a kid's been training Greco for a longer period of time? Like, say, you... you you say, I'm not going to do folk style this year. I'm going to just focus on Greco. You focus on Greco and then you go to Fargo. Do you see a big jump usually? You do. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I don't want to take away from folk style because it's mad time. Honestly, I wish they would do a freestyle Greco season in, in high school. Yeah, I do too. And even in college where, you know, you have one, one, one semester is freestyle, one semester is Greco, whatever, however they do it. Fall, and, you know, winter and winter and spring. Um, but uh, you do see a big difference, and I've had kids, you know, for now for four years, or they just graduated that I have had for four years, where I had one kid, Cole Smith, the one that's going to Northern Michigan, and I talked about his freshman year, Russell Folksell, his sophomore junior joins my academy. We got him in eighth grade, but his sophomore junior joins my academy, and he doesn't do Folksell at all, only freestyle back the whole year, the, the, all two, both of those years. His senior year, he did Folksell because he didn't want to leave anything left, you know, on the table. So, but... You know, top 10 in the country. This guy, would have he had world team members beat 15, 10, and that's the stuff he has to work on where he's beating these world team members or Fargo champs 15, 10, and then freaking got five with seven seconds left, mm. you know. So, but, you know, huge jump going from a kid who started wrestling in eighth grade to getting worked by all these top guys and didn't, wasn't varsity really his freshman year unless, you know, they needed someone to fill the spot and then, you know, be, became this uh, great Greco wrestler. Yeah. So, you know, I I think it would be good. I'd love. I've always been a proponent of seeing um, NCAA's going more freestyle, uh, and I think the rules kind of are s- sort of going that way in some ways. But to have a pure f- uh, freestyle uh, go that direction, I think it it would give us an advantage. Now, the people here in Oklahoma and and other states, they they always throw out the card of tradition, so we'll always be folk style this, that, and the other. But I make the argument that. If you put it on ESPN and people are watching freestyle versus folk style, they don't really care. And you see a dude lace some guy up and put him away in 15 seconds, where you see a guy get bombed for four or five, that's pretty exciting. Way more exciting than seeing someone stall. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and, you know, and run, you know, but uh, in, see, and in our rules, we have it. You know, even in folk style, they have it, but stalling, there's multiple calls before there's a point. But in our rules, if you're running, in freestyle Greco, it's immediately they're going to hit you with fleeing or a passivity. It's immediate points. There's yeah. no warning about it, you know. So I think it's a little more exciting. But, you know, it's to each their own. And, you know, there's some people that, that are primarily folk style. And who knows in the next 10 years, 20 years, what that looks like when you have a lot of freestyle Greco athletes now and kids are starting to grow and push into that, you know, maybe the culture will change. Yeah. Well, hey, Joe, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a great interview. It really was a, a, a different perspective, you know, uh, because you are more centered toward or geared towards um, Greco. And 
it's been a good interview. If if people want to find out more about you, do you guys have a, like a website or are you guys on social media anywhere? Yeah, we got so we got our Facebook page, um, which is Betterman Elite. You know, we just look that up. It's a red, white, and blue logo. Um, so you guys go check that out on Facebook. We have a couple web pages, but they need to be cleaned up. They've been they're pretty old. So yeah, just look up Betterman Elite. You can always add me on Facebook, um, Joe Betterman. And you know, if you have questions, you know, shoot me a message. Um, and my phone number is up on the website uh, and all that stuff. So you know, it's it's pretty easy to get a hold of me. And, and I'm the I'm the Colorado USA Wrestling State Chairman too. So just Look up Colorado USA Wrestling. You'll find me there as well. That's cool. Well, hopefully you and uh, Zach uh, here at Oklahoma, we could get some things going together. It'd be good to get uh, Oklahoma guys and Colorado guys together, get some training. We Zach loves Greco down here too, so it'd be interesting to see if we could get something going. No, yeah, I've definitely had some conversations with Zach before. I just would like to – I mean, it'd be cool to do like a Colorado exchange. I think that'd be fun, something different. You know, yeah. We go there one year, they come to us, and uh, so – Got to, you know, put some more opportunities for the kids. So, but Josh, I appreciate you having me on. It was awesome. And then, uh, you know, I, it was a great time and you guys have a, hopefully have a good Labor Day weekend. And if uh, Rhett wants to come out and train, you just let us know we're here. All right, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Yep.